Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct video Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Madonna, Truth or Dare. Madonna, Truth or Dare, chronicles Madonna's Blonde Ambition Tour. The camera crew takes us backstage to interview Madonna and her crew and go behind the scenes and in their hotel rooms to see all of the technical difficulties, celebrity encounters, and friendships during their global adventure. Directed by Alec Keshishian and released in limited cities on May 10th, 1991. I don't know if I pronounced that name correctly, but anyway, I know you've seen this movie before. Hundreds of times. Hundreds. <laughs> I, I don't of know. Time. I I mean I would come home almost every single day and watch this, and then my friend taped the Blonde Ambition tour because it was on HBO. It was the entire concert. Yeah. In form, she taped that, and I would go to her house, and we would watch the Blonde Ambition tour together, and we would like memorize all the dances and stuff. But I haven't seen this movie or documentary in like twenty five years. Okay. So throughout the nineties, I was watching this a lot. This is like your Fresh Prince home base album, in a sense, because like I would listen to that every single day on the bus to to and from school. Like, mm-hmm. nothing but, you know, like, Summertime and Ring That Bell and all that stuff. You know, mm-hmm. and this is, like, your version of that, basically. Yeah, Madonna is, like, to me, I guess my Taylor Swift. I have no idea. <laughs> like, I'm trying to think, like, like how people are so super obsessed, like, falling over, crying over someone. Like, that would be Madonna to me. In the 90s, up until maybe, like, the mid-2000s, I mean, I still love her, but in the 90s, like, she was just everything to me. Yeah, I never really had a celebrity that was everything in that way. It was just, like, I don't know, um, like, anything she did, I was like, I need to be a part of it. Yeah. Or I had to have it, or I had to watch it. Or consume it in some way. And me coming in this with a completely fresh perspective, right? Someone who's never seen the movie at all. I think we're going to have contrasting perspectives of how the movie is. Like, I'm looking at it... This is basically, like, in a way, like our first documentary that we watched. Like Yeah, for this year. Yeah, For, yeah, for 1991. I think... I think the only Rolling one. Thunder is probably the closest because it's pseudo documentary. Yeah, like it's documentary footage with like a narrative addition to it. But yeah, they don't. This is the first like straight up actual documentary. Yeah, that's. I mean, they didn't call Rolling Thunder a documentary. 
did they? I don't think they did. And but, again, it's I mean, because the they add like the, the futuristic, like, oh, the world's ending and this is what happened and look at how surfing right. could save the world. Um, but it's mostly home video of those surfers. This was just like a straight up documentary to a degree, although like we'll get into the the Razzie Awards side of things, I guess now, where Madonna was nominated for Worst Actress, and that's partly why it's we're showcasing it during this month, and also partly because this is like your birthday week pick. Um, and I understand where the Razzies are coming from with that. Because there's a lot of narration, like a lot of scripted narration that she has in there. Yeah. And she plays it very melodramatically. Like everything, no matter no matter the weight of the situation, she puts on this air of importance and air of gravitas that doesn't always apply to what she's talking about. And then there's, you know, parts that just, like when she's visiting the grave, um... So I, I understand the nomination to a degree. Um, I also think that the Razzies just have something for Madonna, which we'll talk about more later. Um, the, but as like an actual documentary, just like looking at it at the surface, like, is this a good documentary? I'm going to say yes, definitely. Yeah. I think where it's okay. As again, an impartial observer and you feel free to like, let me know how I'm wrong. I feel like I wanted more of a a mix of concert film and behind the scenes. Like there is a good back and forth between this, but I would not consider this to be a concert film. This is more behind the scenes with a couple songs sprinkled in. Yeah, that's and then when they, sh they, everything is in black and white, but when they show the concert film, it's all color. And I'm wondering if they just kind of took that from the HBO special and like inserted it. They might have. In certain spots. Yeah. And I think partly why it's not a concert film is because that live action, or not live action, of course it's live action that live concert performance exists in its entirety elsewhere. And so you don't need to duplicate it all that much. Mm -hmm. But they do go through basically a few full songs. Um, they go... To sort of placate or, you know, just... Because that's part of the whole thing. Yeah. They, they don't show, like, the full songs. They sh I think for a couple, like Like a Virgin, I would consider to be a, okay, a yeah. full song. Yeah, that... Um, Vogue, I think, is... Close to a full song, if not the entire one. Yeah, and then I guess the end song. And then, yeah, song the end song. With the Keep People Together slash Family Affair. Yeah. Which, um, yeah, but when they would show... For this, she would do, like, three songs in one, you know? Like, she would combine. Yeah. Like, for... They didn't show this in the documentary but she would combine because they were all in themes you know so her mm -hmm. religious theme started with the like a virgin sorta because that's when she does her bed thing and then it goes into like a prayer oh father and live to tell that's kind of like combined as like one song yeah i noticed 
from when they were showing some of the scenes that like the same set dressing exists for multiple songs so it seemed like they had like you know yeah, like yeah, they have different scenes. <laughs> segmented set Seg- pieces yeah. that apply to multiple songs, and and that's what next. she says throughout. Well, not throughout, but during when all this controversy is coming, she's like, "It's it's like a ride. You're going through different phases, and you just got to go along with the journey." I mean, yeah, it's it's not far off from what you would see as like a. I don't want to say Broadway show, but you know what I mean? Like, it's definitely, like, a full-on stage production. Yeah, it's a... This is a theater, yeah. Yeah, like, this <laughs> is... Because it's just, um... This is not just someone up there singing. This is, like, set pieces and, and... Yeah, moving things around, a lot of changing into different costumes and the themes. It's like, this is... I don't... This is probably one of the fir- I don't want to say first, but, like, because she... I. I know she's done tours before this in the 80s, but I don't think she has done it in this way where it's very theatrical and kind of over the top where people kind of do this a lot now. Like I'm thinking of Lady Gaga or something or even like Beyonce does stuff like this where now it's like concerts have to be like a spectacle. And I think it's because of how huge the blonde ambition tour became but i know michael jackson also did stuff like this around the same time like when he did dangerous and like history sure and stuff like that but that but that was also like a couple years after the blonde ambition tour so i feel like this is one of i don't want to say it's the first because it might not be but it's like one of the first like theatrical over the top concert like it's an experience and it's like something that you would only experience if you were there yeah and and i think the movie does a moderately good job of explaining that to a degree like mostly through just the visuals of the songs you would think there's a couple scenes in there where she's talking about the technical problems that are going on but it's the movie's not about the creation of the tour Right, it's not about. In a way, it's not even about the tour. It's almost just like a travel journal of friends, and then there's songs in between. Yeah, Does it's kind of it's kind of like a re- this is like the first like reality show. This is giving me like real world or something. Well, the interviews are very real world. Yeah. Because people are just, like, laying on the bed, or they're just in very relaxed positions. It's not like a, a talking heads type of a camera position. It's just, you know, like, let's put you on this bench. Like, let's put you, you know, you're sprawled on the bed. You are wherever. And we're just going to compose the shot around that. We're going to have some canted angles. And, it, yeah, it's very proto-real world mm-hmm. in that. Um, yeah, it's... it's um. It's meant to be as candid as as possible. At least from the behind the scenes stuff. Um, I don't know how actually real a lot of it is, though. No, you think some things were scripted? I think 
things were possibly staged. I think things were possibly at least recreated later after things that did happen and maybe weren't caught on camera that they wanted to include in the movie. Oh, like this is the beginning of like reality shows where like producers are like, we need some sort of drama. So let's fuck some shit up some way. I'm not even saying the situations are necessarily fake, but like, um, I don't know. The one that really stood out to me was when she was calling Warren Beatty and you can't hear him on the phone, right? Because it's not like a tapped, it's a hotel room or whatever. So you just hear her side of the conversation. Right. And it seemed like she was just giving off a performance the entire time. And it just, you know, it's like, oh, well, this is the conversation I'm going to have with Warren Beatty about how he's not coming to this thing. Oh, you think the director is like, why don't you call Warren Beatty up and have a com- a fake conversation? Yeah. Like, or, yeah, just to- like, okay, we need, like, let's explain this on film. Let's You're, so yeah. do it again, like, make up. Because okay. it's like a five-second conversation. Yeah. It's, it's like, why aren't you here? You should, you're supposed to be here right now. If you aren't going to leave right now, okay, goodbye. You know, like, it was, it was a really weird... She probably had a conversation with him, and the director is probably like, that wasn't dramatic enough, so can you do it at least five times or something? I don't know. Like, she probably had a real conversation. She was probably like, Warren, can you please just attend this thing with me? I would really like you to be there. But the director is probably like, that wasn't dramatic enough? I think... Yeah, I mean... She's probably... Or do you think she is like, oh, that's not dramatic enough let me do it at least five times and you pick the best one it could be either one like it really could um and i'm not saying necessarily that either of those things are a negative what i'm really saying is that it was noticeable to me Mm. that not everything seemed authentic not everything seemed to be real in a movie that's meant to portray realness that's that's really all I'm saying. Like, honestly, I think this movie does a interesting job of showing Madonna's faults and good points, and I think it's really easy to conflate the two um, because in the very early scenes, you see like what could be construed as like pre Madonna behavior, where she's like, "Well, if this isn't fixed, I'm just not going to do the show. I'm quitting." Which I mean, I I would be the same kind. She's just Maybe. like. It, but like we don't get the full we don't get the full story we just get the tail end of that situation that like could it, be like a whole bunch of like little needles building up right it's and, just... and this is the culmination of it we only see that but it comes off as pretentious and like you know oh if it's my trailer doesn't have the green way. m&ms then i'm gonna like quit the show like that type of like self-involvement but then there's like also a whole bunch of other scenes that contradict that sort of um in that like you see like legitimate technical issues yeah where she has to deal with this and she's doing her best you clearly see that she has to like deal with a lot of like casting crew behavior and nuances and things like that on top of running this show and managing all these personalities and so yeah like she has to be the boss and i think especially in like 1991 it's tougher to see someone like that exert that power and control yeah like bossiness where they they think she's being a bitch but right it's gonna come off as bitchiness or but or she's just like a perfectionist and she this is like her art and she's like i want it to be 
to the at most umpteenth degree. So everyone, like I am employing all of you people and I expect all of you people to be at like a hundred percent at all the times. Yeah. And it's like, can you just like, I know amongst the, like all the dancers, they're all from different backgrounds and stuff. They're all really young. They were probably like chosen and they were probably like 18 to like 20 years old and they're like oh my god i'm gonna be on a madonna tour so they think it's like fun and games and let's party and whatever but it's also like work and Mm -hmm. she's like you guys but she doesn't really they all look like they are working but it's you know when some of them are fighting with each other she she has to be like the mediator it's like can you guys just you know he's not as like the one Lewis. Right. The one dancer. She's he's like super sensitive. So can you just not give him a hard time? It's like he doesn't or are you have about a th- Oliver, the one who's like separated from the group because he's he Yeah. Says he's straight. Yeah, he says he's straight and he that was like a whole thing with him where he's like I haven't been around gay people. I mean, this is also a look into this is a look into gay life because they even show men like kissing each other and them they're at the gay pride this is like the beginning of seeing like lgbtq people being themselves i guess yeah, the early 90s, I think, really were. Like, we've seen like this a little opening. bit in, in some of these other movies, and I know we're planning on seeing more later. But, I mean, you know, this isn't necessarily the very first, obviously, to, to cover this ground, but yeah, it is It is unfortunately one of the first that time get, gets into some of this depth, surprisingly. Um, at least in, like, in a mainstream thing where it's not the focus, right? Like, the, the focus isn't the homosexual dancers and, and pride parade or whatever. That's just like a little snippet mm-hmm. of this movie. But yeah, it's really interesting to see the capsule in time. And, and I'm trying to think of like how to put it. Like it's, it's, it's really, this movie is more about all those little moments. I think that's what makes it effective. It's like, it's, it's that scrapbook. It's like that home video. Like you're being led in on this. I don't know. Like, you get to see somebody's slideshow. You get to see somebody's home movies. Yeah. You know, and it's it's those, like, little interactions. Because they don't linger on any one thing for very long, ever, in this whole thing. But it is also really interesting to see, like, yeah, this is what it was like in 1991 for various different things. Because you have Oliver, who is homophobic, and uses the F-slur, and contrast that with images of the other dancers at the pride parade where they're having a moment of silence yeah this is also during the height of like the aids epidemic and you see there's even a point where before they start a show madonna finds out that keith herring the the artist the guy you know who keith herring is yeah i don't know it was yeah, he, he, she dedicates this show to him. I don't know if... I don't know when he passed, though. He p- 
passed in February of 1990. And I think she found out. He passed. I thought he passed in the 80s for some reason. Yeah. So it's like she dedicated that to him. And, you know, he died of AIDS complications. So she dedicated one of her shows to him. And after finding out, because um, they start the Blonde Ambition Tour in April, and it's in Japan. So I don't know which show it was, like, she found out. Well, she said that she was dedicating the last show in, in the U.S. and the last show in New York. Oh, okay, to him. Because, because it, yeah, it was he's his hometown York. and yeah. everything, yeah. So okay. she, she may have known, like, the whole time, but She's like, decided to dedicate this. that specific show to him. Yeah, it's it's just also really interesting. There's there's a lot of like, there's heavy stuff in here if you want to look for it, but they they gloss over it. Yeah, there's one part where I was like, whoa, I don't. But I mean, I was young watching this, and I wasn't really paying attention to that stuff. It's the part where her hairdresser, the makeup, the makeup artist mm-hmm. hairdresser, mama makeup, yeah, comes. Well, Madonna's like, where is she? And then all the dancers are like, oh, she... They. This is like a trigger warning because yeah. I don't even know... In the way that Madonna reacts, it's like, okay. The way everyone... Yeah, everyone's like laughing about it. And I'm like, this is serious. Even when she comes in, she's like, I don't even know... I don't... So trigger warning, like the... The hair makeup artist she the backup dancers said that she was found naked in like a bathroom or in her room and her butt was bleeding Mm -hmm. and she was like passed out and she woke up naked and she don't know what she didn't know what happened to her and then when she does arrive she's like i didn't even drink all i had was like a cranberry juice or something i didn't drink at all and i woke up and i don't know where i was and Everyone's kind of like laughing, like, ha, 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 whatever. Even like Madonna. Yeah, she's like, oh, I'm, I'm just worried about. Did you tell anybody my secrets? Yeah, that's what she. She's like, 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 su- yeah, you know, because so I can understand about again, herself. Like, yeah, like super self-absorbed type. But of no girl. one's like, girl, you were possibly a, you were most likely drugged and like sexually assaulted. Right. But it's just like how, and then she's like, I will never go out dancing ever again. And that's like the end of that scene. Yeah. And I was like, wait, I need to know more. Because like, that's messed up. And then there's like the talk with like her childhood friend, Laura. Yeah, that was kind of funny though. And talking about like, basically like naked exploits when they were children or early teenagers or something like that. And Laura's like denying it. And so that's, that's kind of like weird, serious allegations too. Yeah. And Laura's like, well, I mean, I don't remember it, but I mean, I was also drugged up back then. So who, I don't know. I think, I mean, like it was such a weird sequence. It's just like a time where people were like, people were just like, yeah, drugged up and partying and they're like, ha 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 remember how crazy we were when we were young type of thing like we did crazy things that's how they're trying to make it out as but it's like serious now it was um, serious then yeah but it's it's just a good 
indication no one of like what did anything about it. Was yeah, kind that's, of like that... that's exactly. And um, yeah, so and then Madonna, it's, it was like this whole he said she said thing, and then when they do meet, or Madonna's just like, oh, don't you? Well, she's like talking to the camera, like either whoever the cameraman or the director is, like, oh, don't she? She doesn't remember when I, like, fingered her or something like that. Right. And then we were, like, naked on the bed doing blah, blah, blah when we were in New York together. And then the friend is like, I don't even, uh, I don't so, know. No, I never did that. But, so they meet up and it's like a five-minute conversation. And this woman also talks about how she was kind of, like, I don't want to say a mentor because she was, like, two years older than Madonna. But she was like, yeah, I was always there for her, even when her mom died. Because Madonna's mom died when she was five. And that Moira, the friend, was around during that time. And she remembered. Everyone looked at Madonna's mom. who Her name is Madonna, too. Mm-hmm. As, like, a saint, quote. Because she was, like, a very religious and, like, nice lady. And, um, yeah, so when... Moira the friend found out she was like yeah I was devastated for Madonna and it was like I was always there for her whatever and we grew up together and then she just like like this whole conversation she's like I have four kids and I'm pregnant again can you become the uh the godmother of my future child but Mm -hmm. she's like with my fourth child I wrote to you and, and asked, you never responded. And, and she was like, oh, yeah, I remember, but I didn't get it. I didn't get that letter until well after the fact, and I didn't even bother to, like, respond. Right. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. Like, this is just, like, a total, like, yeah, I'm famous now. I don't really give a shit about you anymore type yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's like, I love you, but... Yeah, I love you. I remember the times we had, but yeah, I'm famous now. So yeah, that's that was like the conversation. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of sort of conflicting things like that where you have this reuni- reuniting with their friend that she, it almost seems like she did because she knew the camera crews were going to be there, right? Like if the camera crews weren't going to be there, would she have had that moment with her friend? Yeah, it's just like, oh, I need to look like I care about my roots yeah and like the conversations that she has with her father over the phone and everything too Uh, but yeah like she's like oh yeah look at how connected I am to my past and you know I'm still friends with this person even though I didn't write her back and I'm gonna brush her off in the in-person meeting and just make this like a quick 20 second thing and goodbye but in the same breath also to talk about how she doesn't want to she hates all the after parties because they're full of celebrities that she doesn't want to be with, but yet she, she is loves, always yeah, trying she, to be with these celebrities. Yeah. So it's like very contradictory. I don't know. Yeah. It, it's conflicting information. And uh, the celebrity stuff is some of the most interesting, I think. Not because they're celebrities. It's just like the groups exactly. of people that... The types, it's like people from various backgrounds. It's just interesting to see them all hang out together. Yeah, it's like, oh, 
Here's like, Mandy Patinkin. I'm like, what the like, hell? <laughs> oh, have you met Al Pacino? And here's Mandy Patinkin. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it's like, like, all right, well, they're just there. But it's just, yeah. And you had, like, Lionel Richie, which, fine. Yeah, I mean, Lionel they're Richie's both, like, singers. I get that. But it's just... Like, Olivia Newton-John's in there at some point. Mm-hmm. You see, like, Matt Dillon and whatnot. Um, but then, obviously, like, the Kevin Costner thing is... The more famous exchange in there, which is hilarious to me. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and I don't. I mean, I, I, I find that funny. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like it's super. Because that seems very. I don't know Kevin Costner as a person, but he seems kind of like a dork. So yeah, when like, he comes in, he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm." It was like very awkward, and he's like, he didn't know what to say, so he's just like, "Yeah, I found it very neat." And then, you know, she does the whole neat. Like, who the fuck says neat? Right. And then she does the finger down the The gagging thing. But I think, you know, I think Kevin Costner is really personifying what what Madonna is actually trying to say in her narration, where it's like, she's saying, people assume that just because we're celebrities that we're going to like other celebrities. Yeah. And that we, you know, like, that's what we want to hang around with. And Kevin Costner, I think, is personifying that exactly like i think he's just there because of an obligation of like he knows he's famous he knows madonna is famous and so he should like show up he should make an appearance and say something but yeah, he's to like her. he's like completely out of his element he doesn't want to deal with that stuff and he has like a wife and kids and stuff so he's like eh, yeah like, he, like let me but, just say a thing and then get the fuck out yeah it's just not my scene like any famous person seeing another famous person's movie or work or anything it's like they have to meet up just to be like oh yeah i enjoyed whatever it is you did yeah you gotta like network and all this kind yeah. of bullshit and you know kevin costner is probably not there because of his own desire to see madonna's maybe his concert wife it was probably his it? kids or, or maybe the wife yeah, yeah. so <clears throat> i don't know it, I, I understood his position. <laughs> yeah, but it was just really awkward and a, funny. Yeah, it was funny because of how awkward it was. And then obviously the Warren Beatty stuff is all extremely awkward too. I mean, I think that's... Because he oh, yeah. obviously does not really want to be there, but she's like, Warren, stop hiding in the shadows. And you see him like walking around in corner. I don't know, it's hilarious. Like he, did, he has no desire to be on camera for this project. Right, but she's like... Nor does he need to be. Making him do it sometimes. Yes. And, but I mean, they're quote together because she's like, I know how, I mean, they probably were just together because of the Dick Tracy movie. Like they hooked up Mm -hmm. and it's like this casual, yeah, we're quote dating relationship because she's also, um, she does said in a truth or dare thing that she's still in love with Sean her ex-husband and that or that was he was her greatest love so it's like right. obvious that she's not in love with Warren they're just like together for a while and then she's there's even a point where she's talking to Sandra Bernhardt and Sandra is like who do you want to meet like you and she's like I've met like everyone I wanted to meet but then she's like, I have a crush on Antonio Banderas. And then there's like a point where th- when they are in Spain, she goes to this party that Pedro Almodovar is holding and Antonio's there. And she's like, 
sort of flirting with him, but then his wife is there (laughs) and she's like, oh, well, then she's just like hitting on any person around. She's like, are you single? And they're like, yeah, okay. All right. Well, you don't have a wife, so I'll just go to you type of thing. Yeah. So yeah, it was like a very, whatever, yeah. and then she's like, oh, I never, and then she just says something, oh, I never liked his acting anyway, even though they were in Evita together like five years later. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's just like a, a joke. I know it's a joke. Course. Yeah. Like she doesn't mean it, but it's just like, oh, you don't want to be with me. So I'm just going to say this. Right. It's like, oh, you're rejecting me while well, you're not so hot. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it, even though he's he's been married for even though like that yeah, I don't was know his how first long, wife. I don't know how long he was married up until I I know that that wife Analezzo um, they divorced in 1996. And he married, I didn't really look this up, but he married Melanie Griffith in the same year. Same so year. Yeah. I don't know if there was like a thing, but whatever. But yeah, he was with Anna Letza from 1987 until 1996. Yeah. And then with Melanie from 1996 to 2015. But the thing with Warren Beatty also is that the first couple scenes that he's in, he does not say a word on camera. Well, yeah. He's, <laughs> like, he's just, just like, like, he's nodding. He's kind of like running away like, from the camera. Yeah, Madonna's just... like, come over here, do this thing. And he's just like sort of like nodding and just like yeah. refusing to speak for a while. Um, it's not until she's... Not until the, the throat stuff. Yeah, she has to cancel a couple tour or a couple, yeah, not tours, I should say, like dates. Dates. Because her throat, she has like a vocal cord infection. And that part is also very funny with the doctor. <laughs> yeah. But the, just the noises. I mean, them doing it together was really funny. But the doctor is like, okay, you can't. You have to be on vocal rest for like a month or something. And then you see Warren finally talking. And he's like, oh, this is going to be torture for her because she constantly wants to be the center of attention she can't she's always talking blah 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 and this and then she's starting to like write on a piece of paper like all like you you suck or whatever i don't know i hate you whatever but he's also questioning like her motivations with the documentary in the first place like Mm -hmm. why does this need to be on camera like why do you want to show this like yeah why do we need to show you have you ever thought about like other people's feelings when bringing a camera into these situations type of a thing yeah (laughs) but it's also like i like seeing stuff like that me as a viewer i like seeing just normal mundane everyday life of other people and i think i'm more interested in (laughs) like the conversation that warren wants to have like um, i i don't really care about like the the medical visit like i don't i don't need to see her with a doctor to take her word that she had a throat issue. Yeah. But I'm more interested in... Like what Warren Beatty has to say? Just like, or I want, I want that conversation. Like, you know, like that, that's the more interesting thing is like, let's talk about human nature. Let's talk about the dynamics of introducing this third party into a personal life. Let's talk about what it means to document your life and what are the boundaries. Like those types of things, that's what I'm interested in. And Warren's point is like, this is superfluous. This is pointless. 
And the only reason it's really probably still in the movie is because Warren spoke up about how superfluous it was. Mm. I'm, I'm jumping around a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> but the, the the other thing that really makes this very much a 90s movie is how frequently Madonna uses not in the Wayne's World sense. Yeah. So did she... I, I, I didn't look this up. Did she do the Wayne's World thing? It was after. Yeah, I think okay. it was in 1991. Remember, okay, like, okay. I remember we watched a movie where we also watched an SNL episode and the and Madonna sketch was it. supposed to be part of it, but it wasn't on the It was Peacock taken thing. out, yeah. But we do have the VHS, but... Okay, um, so but I think she's that probably... I mean, she's probably a fan of SNL and does quote that because she's seen that skit and she says not a lot yeah it's like oh this is gonna happen no i mean she says that a lot which i mean it kind of makes me laugh because <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's, it's funny because of how incredibly cheesy it has but always been it's just like when you're a kid you're saying that and it's just funny to see madonna say that so I, it's like i never said it as a kid because i always found it Oh, I, I mean, cringy. in the early 90s, yeah, we would say not a lot. My mom would say it. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> like I think, my like, mom would instantly say it, so I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, this isn't cool. Oh, so when, like, an elder said it. I mean, Madonna's, like, in her early 30s, but, um, yeah, I, just, I, I like that because it just makes her seem like she's a normal person that has a sense of humor. Yeah, she and she's like, you know, she's hip to the kids, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, it's, I don't know. It, there was another it's, it's sort of like, quip she said, and now I can't remember. It was not, and then there was something else. Like, oh yeah, way, when they did no, because someone oh, said they? no. She, it was another Wayne's World thing. Yeah. It was when someone said no way, and she goes, oh, way. <laughs> So, I mean, it's just, like, very... So, I think she just knows. Like, I wonder if she's, like, making fun of it at the same time. But, like, a couple of the times when she says not, it seems, like, legitimate. Like, this is the joke. It's almost like the the bore at my wife thing. Um, you know, when someone tries to, like, legitimately use that as a joke instead of, like, a like she, she, yeah, self-referential, like ironic... I get it. Yeah. Like, she's saying it ironically, but then also not... Yeah, I like think she... I think it's not ironic. Oh, okay. And that's because it's 1991, so the chances are that it's not ironic. Um, and that's what makes it funny now, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the the other thing I thought was really interesting, you know, there. You get to spend a decent amount of time with some of the the dancers and the backup singers, which I appreciate that it's you know again not just all about Madonna all the time you get to see their personalities a little bit more you get to you know go off on little tangents and you know see a couple of the cities um through brief little snippets and and cutaways to them um one thing that was interesting is how one of the the singers i don't remember if it was donna or nikki i think it was donna uh talking doing the the impression of madonna doing her world tour in 2025 yeah that's that's nikki harris that's yeah. nikki okay yeah and i'm just thinking like yeah that's that's about to happen yeah that's, she's that's doing almost, her 2023 tour that she's preparing for now and we are going to in august finally 
well, finally I get to see her because I've been wanting to see her since like birth. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and I'm now at an age where I can afford a Madonna ticket because I've wanted to see her right after the Ray of Light album, and mm. I was like, I can't afford a three hundred dollar ticket at the age of like 21 I'm not <laughs> I'm, I don't have the means and then I think she did oh and for her confessions tour I think that was in 2005 I was like I still can't because that's when I was like just graduating school so I was like either pay school debts or like spend three to four hundred dollars on a Madonna ticket yeah. and it's like now I can. So yeah. <laughs> now I can spend money on a Madonna ticket. It'll be really cool if they like throw that clip up at the top of, you know what I mean, like uh, that would be, be interesting if they to show see, that, like, that would if they remember that cuz they have done like um well, they've talked to the director like a there's like a 30th anniversary type thing because he did the Selena Gomez. Yeah documentary which i'm kind of curious about my mind and me for i think it's apple yeah which we don't have anymore but right i'm still curious but um yeah when they were talking to him about the selena gomez documentary they also just spoke about his thoughts on the madonna truth or dare and there was even talks about doing like a sequel to it but he was like yeah that's never gonna i mean obviously that's not gonna that was like 30 years ago there's less incentive for her to be open in that way now yeah um and i do think that she was pretty open in this i mean obviously she had control over what was said and done but i also think that she wasn't totally afraid of having criticism levied towards her and including that in the movie like near the end when the tour is ending there's a lot of overlapping interviews and dialogue um from various different crew and a lot of it's about madonna's faults specifically like it's it's a scene intended to show like that she's willing to accept that and like listen to it you know Mm -hmm. what i mean um so I don't know. It, we talked about a few different random scenes. Is there anything else we want to talk about? It, there's obviously other characters. There's characters is a quotation mark. Like there's the talk with her family and, and her brother. And obviously one of her brothers is backstage with her. Chris is like, one. I don't know. He's, he's like, like the one manager of the crew. crew yeah. Like he's the main. Yeah. He, main she person. hired him as being like the, one of the art directors for the show. Um, but then you have Marty in there for a couple scenes as well, and her parents. Well, her, her mom, her stepmom, step-mom and, and dad. her dad. Because when they do go into Detroit, she's like, I would like for you to come see my show. And then it's also your birthday, so I want you to come on stage. And then they do they do sing her father happy birthday. And she's like very, she's just like, I really want, like she wants her dad to be there. Yeah. So please make it. <laughs> yeah. And then also one of her brothers marty like this whole thing where they're like waiting up for him her and her other brother chris and he doesn't arrive until like 4 a.m or something mm-hmm. 
and she's just like, I can't stay up any longer, so I'll just tell him if he comes, I'm sleeping. And then there's a point where he's, like, knocking on her door, and she's just not going to answer. And he's like, oh, okay, I guess she's sleeping. And then that's the end of that. <laughs> yeah. And then you never see it again. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot, of, like I said, a lot of little moments that don't really have full resolution. Um, I think the closest one that we have is, you know, the, the police threats where she's supposedly going to be arrested in Canada if she yeah, those are the big touches herself. Controversies. Which I think there's alleged, you know, that some of those shots were staged or maybe recreated or something later. I mean, one of them was on TV when she was in Rome. Yeah, like the Rome stuff, I definitely believe because she was she was making a press statement yeah, about what, like she why at... she's not like censoring her show and she ended up having to cancel it. Right. It was they were gonna go. They were going to still make it happen, but because Pope John Paul urged the people of Rome to not go, she had very low ticket sales, so she canceled because of the ticket sales. Mm. It wasn't because of them telling her to cancel. Yeah. She was going to do it anyways. She was, yeah, until it wasn't viable. But it wasn't able. But then gave the, the, the press statement, which they show basically in full. Right, which, I mean, that was, like, a very, what she said was valid. I mean, she, she's like, I'm Italian-American, I'm, you know, proud to show my heritage, whatever. This, like, the tour it doesn't hurt anyone. She's like, this is for people with open minds. This is, like, questioning my art and my theater, and, you know, this puts you on a journey, Whatever. She's, yeah, she it's, says it's not protests. telling anyone how to feel. This isn't saying this is your journey. This is just showing a journey. Yeah. She, and even Pope John just urged the public by saying that this was, quote, the most satanic show in history of humanity. That was according to Pope John Paul. That they put in the Vatican newspaper that it was sinful and blasphemous and a complete disgrace. And that, yeah, that's another thing that I think was a lot more common up until yeah like 91 ish era and a little bit I mean, beyond where you have you these protests over things like two live crew and you know obviously yeah exactly the days before and, and stuff like that and even with like nwa weren't they arrested when they oh, told yeah, they were... them to not perform fuck the police mm -hmm. and they did it anyways did mm -hmm. they got arrested right yeah so in the when Pretty she's sure in they did. In Toronto, the same thing happened where they were... They were supposedly threatening to arrest her. If she masturbated during... Because she does like a simulation masturbation. Where she just grabs her crotch. She, yeah, they're like, we don't want you to grab your crotch. That's it. And I think... The reason I say supposedly is like... The threat was probably real. They show footage of the cops, but I think there's like questions as to whether or not that was actually like live actual footage because of how many cameras and how many angles and you know oh like they wanted to show some sort of because they have like shot reverse shot of like the manager talking to yeah, the cops Frankie or whatever and then they're like automatically back also with another camera crew backstage with the and, cops and you know like there, there's a lot there that seems like oh, it might have been something where they and then also the toronto police obviously did not arrest her at the end yeah she, she didn't said, yeah we, we heard some complaints and we found there was nothing wrong so we, nothing happened right yeah so I like was it the... built up and, and 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 i think the i think the other thing that leads to the, the credibility issue in terms of like the realness is again 
a lot of these things are done backstage with a very, very basic backdrop that could be anywhere, that could be recreated anywhere. And so if you need to redo a conversation that might have happened somewhere else, or even just make one up, it's very easy to do so and have it just plug in anywhere into the documentary. And I'm not saying that that's what that that's what happened. I honestly don't think that that probably did happen all that much, but I do think that there probably were a couple conversations that were redone because they were originally off camera and they wanted to include them in the movie or they wanted to, to change the optics slightly. That's my personal impression. Mm. Um, but I do think like the cop stuff happened. Uh, obviously the Pope stuff did happen. And also I think the other thing that Again, this is a solid documentary, but there isn't that really, like, major, major drama peak. Like, the Pope stuff, I guess, is the closest you have, but there isn't really, like, a climax to the movie. It just kind of, like, goes through the steps of the tour. Yeah, until it ends. And and then it basically just ends. Yeah, and the, it's like at the when their tour is coming to an end, they're all in Europe. Mm-hmm. And that's when they start to show them doing more of these truth or dare games yeah that's like the first time or really the only time they show actual truth or dare is like after vogue is done mm-hmm. uh and then they do the truth or, truth or dare and then they do like the the one last song um the keep it together keep it together uh, with her doing like interviews in bed with the crew like yeah. asking them all to See, undress and do like candid interviews i feel yeah that to me was staged because it's just like okay telling now, them what to say kinda yeah it's like she would just go in with each dancer like okay tell me a little bit about yourself even though they've been together for like a year or whatever <laughs> yeah she, it, it it seems like they're all doing their own little bit that they right. probably like, thought of themselves Oh, yeah, I guess. But again, it's a good way to like show the interaction, to show the personalities of the different people. Mm-hmm. So even if it wasn't you know, a real interview, it was still... You could see like real moments. You could see like real connections between them. Mm-hmm. So that was good. The other thing I do want to mention, I think, because we also watched it, is the, the spoof movie, The Medusa Dare to be Truthful from Julie Brown. Right. Which I think, again, sort of like shows like the 1991 mentality of like, okay, here's this person in charge of this con concert, this, this world tour, and what perceptions do you draw from what you're seeing on the screen in this movie? Yeah. Um, it's and like, I know it's it's definitely a spoof. Right, but it's make it... I, I know I was reading about the like Madonna's thoughts on it, and, you know, Madonna thought it was entertaining for a bit up until it got to, like, the dog uh, where Medusa goes to, like, her dog's grave or something. Right. And I think... To make fun of Madonna, like... Going to like, her mom's grave. Going to her mom's grave and making a big production out of it and, like, rolling around on it and all this kind of stuff. Right, and I think that's where Madonna was like, okay, I just can't. I mean, because I, I mean, I get it. I think, yeah, but Madonna's it's... very sensitive when it comes to, like, her family, especially, like, her mom, because it's like she lost her mom at a very young age, is probably, like, traumatized from that. So, 
Yeah. Just seeing someone making fun of her going to a grave and turning it into like a dog where, oh, I forgot. Oh, my dog's name wasn't Buster. It was like Boomer. Let me go walk around and try and whatever. Yeah, I think the. I think the part the problem is that the original scene in the actual movie. Is kind of over the top. I don't know. To me, it felt like one of those staged moments to a degree because it was. It dragged out for the entire song. Yeah, and it felt like she was putting on a performance of like, oh, I need to be sad. I need to do this and this and this. And then meanwhile, like having the the cutaway shots to her brother just like standing next to a tree, just kind of like watching watching it unfold instead of like participating and grieving with her. It's like almost like checking his watch practically. Like I don't know. Yeah, the the whole scene was kind of off putting to me. Maybe because she's now famous and she doesn't go to she's traveling around the world doing shit that she never goes to Detroit ever except when she has a show and like her brothers are probably still living there and like I don't know I th- no, I, goes to the mom's grave more often than she does I, think, I don't know no, I, I think the point is that it, it's the length and the presentation is the issue, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, um, I mean... Because, like, it's it's lasting for the entire length of a song, so they have to have enough footage to like cover... Like, five, six minutes To cover her. this song. Yeah, at least. And she has to think of new things to do, and so it becomes a performance at her mother's grave. Yeah, I get right? it. Right? So, like, that's, that's part of an issue. It's not just, like, her grieving, and she could have, like, had pictures of her mother... Or her going to different spots around Detroit or, I don't know, whatever. They could have done other things other than just have her, like, sit or lay and whatever at at the grave. It just felt like it was... It was only done for the cameras and not, like, as an actual legitimate grieving effort. Because of the length of things. Mm. Um... And the way it was handled. So, I mean, if I had that perception 30 years later and whatever, like, I can certainly understand why other people like Julie Brown and others would probably have the same type of impression. Like, oh, this is just falsity. Um, and I'm sure she misses her mother. I'm sure she actually grieves and probably does visit her grave. Um, but that was weird. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. So that's what I'm saying. Uh, as a first-time watcher there. But I think the other part of, like, the Julie Brown movie is that it isn't really an imp- an impression of Madonna because she's putting on this, like, very ditzy... Yeah, like, being very bitchy and ditzy, and that's not what... The, I mean, Madonna didn't fire anyone. It's just, like, in the Medusa one, it would be, like, someone would like touch her run she's like you're fired like that was like a big joke yeah but and yeah i mean it's a spoof it's not meant to be an exact recreation um but i think it characterized or you know made a caricature of elements that a lot of people wish were present and not necessarily what was shown in the actual movie so um, 
that was my first time seeing the Medusa thing too. I thought it was oh, eh. I thought it was eh. I, I mean, it kind of doesn't date very it well. Was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Cause I remember I watched it when I was younger, and I was still like, eh. Like I don't find this funny because it's making fun of Madonna, my idol. <laughs> right. I mean, Julie so, Brown's like fine. Like she's she's not a, I mean, a terrible comedic actress. I thought in, it was put way. together well because they even like all the makeup and even the so- the. The fake, the, the fake yeah. songs they had to come up to spoof Madonna songs were actually pretty decent songs. Sure. But I mean, that was. But I feel like whatever. the jokes didn't really go very far. Yeah. They're way too obvious most of the time. They didn't really land. Like when they're recreating the "Like a Virgin" song, it was basically exactly what we saw in the actual "Like a Virgin" right. song. And then... It wasn't really spoofing. It was just kind of like recreating it. Mm-hmm. Um, Even just some of the other. They were just taking, like, when they did the holiday, the dance where they yeah. did us for holiday. It was, like, similar dancing or just similar choreography, yeah. I should say. It was more like, hey, remember this from the movie? That was, like, a year ago? It was, yeah. like, she made this a spoof, like, really quickly. It was made for Showtime as, like, a special. Mm. I, I would definitely say still that this movie is, is worth the watch, though. Any other scenes you want to talk about, or should we just move on? No, I mean, I liked... So there were really no bloops, but I thought at the end, during the end credits, it's them, like, having this sort of, like, sleepover where they're like, okay, let's all lounge in one big giant bed together. And say goodnight. And say goodnight. They do, like, a little lullaby, and then it's... I thought it was cute and funny. Yeah. Where they're like... Okay, good night. Like they're saying each other's names. Good night, Madonna. Good night, Nikki. Good night, Donna. Good night, whatever. I don't know. They're just saying everyone's names, and I thought that. And then someone's like, "Who farted?" And then Madonna's like, "Shut up." I don't know. Mm-hmm. I thought it was funny, and yeah. that's throughout the credits, and then at the very end, it's like Madonna, like pointing like a remote control or something at the camera saying cut it or something yeah, and that so was when the I end. press this button it's gonna turn the camera off right and then we get trailers after the movies yeah we got a on lot on the VHS well, <laughs> which three. I would, well the more than yeah I was like more surprised more than the zero we've been getting yeah so more yeah when I think a lot I think three because we <laughs> get we get zero and they're all 1991 movies yeah two we've seen so it's the Drop Dead Fred commercial, and then it was... That's the... such a weird surprise to see is like, the first trailer is Drop yeah. Dead Fred. And then it was The Doors, and then it was T2. Yeah. So Doors is obviously the one we haven't watched yet. And it just reminds me of, like, how Val Kilmer is, like, a great choice visually for Jim Morrison. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see that movie. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what the movie's gonna be like, because it's, it's Oliver Stone and that's hit or miss, but... I don't know. I mean, we'll get to it. We'll yeah, we'll get, get to, to it. it. <laughs> we got I mean, other things I to saw talk about that here. movie when I was young, and I was like, "What am I watching?" So, <laughs> so. But yeah, that, that's an odd combo: Drop Dead Fred, The Doors, and T Two. Exactly what viewers of Madonna Truth or Dare are going to be looking for for similar content. I mean, um, for me, I mean, <laughs> for you, yeah, like, yeah that's, that's I was like, got, yeah, I you like got, Drop you, Dead you Fred. Comedy, you got. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just like a mixed bag. Eddie Furlong, so yeah. Yeah. You got all the cro- you got 
It had all the things except for like this doors thing where I'm like, huh? That's music. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so let's get into some of the uh, the casting crew because there isn't a whole lot to mention there. Uh, Alex Kashishian, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing your name. You're the director there. You've done a lot of music videos up to this point for people like Vanessa Williams and Bobby Brown, as well as one with Elton John. Uh, outside of music videos, hasn't done a whole lot. We did. We mentioned the Selena Gomez movie most recently, but he also did With Honors, and Madonna did a song for that, and then also a movie that he wrote called Love and Other Disasters. Um, Barry Alexander Brown did the editing for this. I think that's worth mentioning in a documentary like this, especially considering he uh, was nominated from the American Cinema Editors Association for Best Edited Documentary. He's an Oscar nominee for a Best Documentary Feature, The War at Home, back in 1979. And also he's a longtime Spike Lee editor, and he has an Oscar nomination for editing Black Klansman. He's again does most of spike lee's work but he did not do jungle fever in 1991 most of the crew like we talked about is is dancers and and singers who have stayed in that realm so i'm not really going to talk about the the crew we quickly mentioned their name we mentioned donna de la roy and nikki harris is the backup singers uh louis camacho oliver combs jr salim gaulus yeah kevin alexandra stay gabrielle Troopin, who unfortunately passed away in 1995 from AIDS, and Carlton Wilborn, who has done acting and, and does a lot of other stuff on the side. So that's that's the most of the people you see, for the most part. Um, we also mentioned a lot of the celebrity cameos. Pedro Almodovar has a 1991 movie called High Heels, and Antonio Banderas is only in the 1991 movie Terra Nova, which is not on our list. I don't think it has any sort of English release. Madonna... We'll talk about her awards here. We got Golden Globe winner for acting in Evita. Uh, he, she also won Best Song for W.E. Masterpiece. I don't know what that is, honestly. It's her movie that she wrote and directed. Oh. Well, she won for Best Song for that. Uh, she was also Golden Globe nominated for Who's That Girl, A League of Their Own, With Honors, Austin Powers 2, and Die Another Day. That's all for Best Song. Um, Grammy Award winner for the Blonde Ambition World Tour as a long, live long-form music video. I, she has other Grammy wins too. I just wanted to mention that because it's directly related to this movie because it's the same tour. Uh, MTV Movie Award nominations for Best Female Performance and Best Song for Evita. Uh, Best Song for With Honors nomination as well as nominated for Most Desirable Female and Body of Evidence which came out... Um, it was like 93 year, or yeah, four. A year or two later after this. Razzie Award winner for Shanghai Surprise, Who's That Girl, Body of Evidence, Four Rooms, Next Big Thing, Swept Away, Die Another Day, and also winner of the Worst Actress of the Century. <laughs> the Razzies like to find Madonna and just plug her into the worst category. I mean, they don't talk possible. about the movies she's good in. That's true. They didn't she's just throw her into... She's great in A League of Your Own. Yeah. Of their own. And she's also great in Desperately Seeking Susan. Yeah, so, I mean... <laughs> I like her in Who's That Girl. Is I mean, Dick Tracy... Uh, I don't well, know. she wasn't nominated for Dick Tracy either. That was okay. I mean, that movie is just like... 
uh, to me as a whole, so I don't know. Um, so she's good when she needs... She's good at playing, like, a version of herself, <laughs> okay. I think. I, don't, I mean, I, th- I feel like in A League of Their Own, she was, like, playing, like, a version of herself. That was probably the first experience I had with her acting, aside from SNL, you know, the Wayne's World sketch. Yeah, but uh, that's just her being her. Yeah. Uh, she's also in the 1991 movie Shadows and Fog. Uh, in terms of other awards, so we talked about the Razzie nomination for Worst Actress here for Madonna. Um, there's also a thing called the Yoga Awards, which we rarely mention, but it it's also like a worst movie type of a, a oh, thing. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and it won the worst foreign documentary, so it's not a U.S.-based I think that was probably during, like, her Kabbalah years when, on Ray of Light, I found this out, like, four-ish years ago when I started doing a lot of yoga, where one of the songs on Ray of Light is called Ashtanga, and it's, like, an Ashtanga prayer. Mm -hmm. And then when we said it in a yoga class, I was like, wait, this is a Madonna song. (laughs) And then, no, Madonna took this from, like, a prayer that was said for like thousands of years she's she's shining yeah. light on other cultures yeah. Thing, right? yeah and you know yeah anyway um other awards we talked about the the nomination for barry alexander brown the movie was also national society of film critics awards nominated for best documentary as well um it tied for third place with the 1990 movie american dream uh mtv movie award it was only part of two clips montages. It was shown as part of the quotes montage. I'm not sure what code it would be. Um, and then also in the fake best inanimate categories category, objects category. Did I say that right? Part of the best inanimate objects category. Okay. I'm assuming for the glass bottle in the truth or dare sequence. Uh, it was a box office success, I would say. About four point five million dollar budget made almost thirty million dollars worldwide, good for seventy fourth, which is probably the highest ranking documentary on our list. I haven't really actually checked that out. Yeah, it was the highest rated document document documentary until uh, Bowling for Columbine. Interesting. I'm really surprised that this wasn't nominated for an Oscar for best. Documented. just be, if nothing else because of the I notoriety think maybe of because or, of like the, the whole Razzie nomination and maybe I don't know but that was just for worst actress or maybe the contra- I don't know I mean this is a very good documentary I mean I wanted more it was two hours and I was like I could watch like 300 hours of like backstage stuff on yeah, and I think <laughs> it's probably because a lot of these storylines are kind of truncated and they just move away from them they get yeah. a little like blips of it and they don't really see everything fully through but yeah i mean i agree is it my favorite documentary ever no i mean no but it's very good <laughs> but yeah it's, it's a it's a solid one i don't know what other documentaries in 1991 that we can compare it to but i don't know maybe someday we'll we will uh should we move on to true crime and pop culture then yeah i mean we talked a lot about the pop culture but i'll talk yeah. about how and also like we we talked about the limited cities release may 10th because this is like the fourth movie on its wide release date of may 24th so we we're just choosing a different day because of that yeah and it's available to us 
so I'll just talk about there was a lawsuit that was filed her a lot of her backup dancers filed a lawsuit on January 21st 1992 it was Oliver Kevin Gabriel Troopin uh, they sued Madonna and the production company for invasion of privacy fraud and deceit misrepresentation and intentional infliction of emotional distress and the suit claimed that the three men were shown in quote non-performance scenes they were i guess they were told that they were just going to show them you know prepping dancing doing the choreography and nothing else so they thought that it was like in violation of their privacy because it's like them you know kissing each other or you know yeah there's like a dare a lot where it's of, like yeah can you kiss this other guy yeah and then there was even a point where it was oliver Right, where he kind of like rolls his eyes and walks away. He walks away. Both being around gay. Yeah, gay people. Yeah, I guess. Because he, he, yeah, I mean, he says multiple times so he's not not that comfortable. And, yeah, yeah, he's not comfortable with it, and he claims that they're trying to convert him and stuff. Right, and so it was just you know, the showing scenes of them discussing intimate things and then doing intimate things. I mean, I guess. I mean, during that time, yeah, I was sensitive. Like, it's, if you're not out, yeah, if you're, it's your like it's kind of like outing them. Yes. Without them telling, you know, like their family or whatever about being gay or something, because a lot. I mean, during that time, it's like a lot. You had to be in the closet, and then. Yes. Uh. So we watched this movie two days ago, and then yesterday I was like, we have to watch. Paris is Burning, because Paris is Burning is probably, like, this movie is, like, a lead-up from Paris is Burning because of Vogue, and it's, like, Madonna took that, the whole voguing and ballroom culture, to light. And there's, from watching that movie, that documentary, I mean, that's, I, Paris is Burning, I like that documentary, documentary more than Madonna Truth or Dare. Yeah, by, sorry, but by far. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> like, Paris, <laughs> like, this is my first time watching Paris is Burning, and I'm sad it took so long. Like, yeah. It's, it's one of those things where it's, like, easy four stars, like, one of the best ever. Yeah, yeah, that's why I was, like, but I didn't watch Paris is Burning until, I mean, maybe 10 years ago. Until I was, like, told about it. And basically, from watching RuPaul's Drag Race, and they always talk about that movie. And I was, and then when it was finally, like, on Netflix, I was like, okay, I need to watch it. And I was like, oh, my eyes are opened to, like, this world that I never even knew about that I was like obsessed with and I didn't even know I was or something but it's and then even the show Pose which is you know a scripted show but it's very much based off of like that ballroom culture mm -hmm. and a lot of the stories even like the director of Paris is Burning was like a consultant for some of the episodes because I think a lot of the stories that they used in Paris is Burning was also used in the show Pose. Like, you know, there is a character that does get murdered for being found out that they were trans. Mm -hmm. 
Hmm. So it's they were using some of the stories from that documentary in the show. And then there's a point in the show where when Madonna, they don't show Madonna in Pose. They just talk about how all of the characters in Pose were like, oh, Madonna came out with this Vogue uh, video and she's hiring and auditioning people from our community for that video and for her upcoming tour. And there was like a whole season about like the characters trying to make it to become a dancer for Madonna. And a couple of those dancers were from the ballroom scene, and that was Louis Extravaganza. That's the house of Extravaganza. Mm. So he was one of them, as well as Jose Gutierrez Extravaganza. So it's like, that's why I was like, we should watch Paris is Burning, because a couple of dancers were from that ballroom scene. And But going back to the lawsuit, um, it was, uh, like, Madonna didn't take it too well. And there was even a point where Madonna yelled at them to, quote, get over it. <laughs> Which, I mean, she shouldn't even have said that. And then the Madonna label stated that the parties in the suit were compensated and they did sign releases and they were all paid. And then there was even a commercial that Madonna did. This was like in the mid-90s for Rock the Vote. And Madonna even joked about the lawsuit saying, you're probably thinking that's not a very good reason to vote. So sue me because everyone else is. Uh-huh. So that's what she said to it in retaliation. Like in her mind, she's probably like, you people are ungrateful. Like I gave you right. recognition or whatever. But it's not done in the correct way in their minds. Yeah, I think I saw something else about how they assumed that they were they were told that if there was anything that they found uncomfortable they were told they would have the ability to the have ability it taken to out. say so yeah and and they asked for things to be taken out that were still in the movie mhm so the three dancers reached out they reached an out of court settlement in 1994 and then the lawsuit was dismissed but then in 2000 and we didn't watch this but in 2016 they made a documentary it's a belgian dutch documentary and it it's we can only we couldn't find a free version you had to like rent it through somewhere and we didn't have the time because we whatever. watched like three things for this <laughs> right. episode already. i mean even though i was kind of interested in this one because it was the uh it was released in 2016 and it was the dancers and it's just showing them 25 years since the tour and they do talk about that lawsuit and I guess one of them even said, like, every it's like all water under the bridge now. It, I mean, I can talk about how the backing vocals, the vocalists, Nikki Harris, like, she was a part of the tour with Madonna for a really long time. 
all the way up until her Drowned World tour, which was right after the Ray of Light tour. So, I mean, they were together for so long, but they did their own solo career. And uh, Donna, she recorded songs for certain movies. She did a song for Three Men and a Little Lady. She had her own debut album that came out in 1992. She had a lot of singles that came out that peaked in the UK. and um, But she was also just uh, a back, backup vocalist for Madonna for a really long time, too. And uh, I don't know. Okay, and this was something that I saw. So on May 10th, 1991 on this day it was a friday this is a historical event of quote sports history oakland a's jose canseco was seen leaving singer madonna's apartment in the morning on may 10th 1991 Uh and they were together at some point i don't remember what when that actually happened but yeah i mean the just like warren Beatty. warren Beatty was like with hundreds of women before marrying but this is like that's why I wanted to do a timeline because I was like when did they end their when did he end his relationship with Madonna and then started going out with Annette Benning? because then like right then and there he's married to Annette Benning, like you know a year or two later, so I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, it was short. I, I remember was like talking about sh- that a little bit during our Bugsy episode two years ago. But Yeah. I mean, Madonna's been with, like, a bunch of men, but and then it's even, like, people say that she's been with women, too, but I don't, I don't even give a shit. Like, I don't, no, I don't. Yeah. Like, if people are always, like, talking shit about how she's, like, they're just, like, slut-shaming her or whatever. Even, like, when they sort of allude to it in the the medusa spoof yeah like there's a lot of um a lot of mean-spirited stuff in that movie yeah it's like meant to be satirical but it's like honestly just like it comes off as like like slut shaming her and like making madonna seem like she's a ditzy blonde when she's not yeah and i don't know I mean, I can go, I was like, I can go on and on about Madonna, but I won't. So I don't know. I'm just like talking about truth or dare specifically. Yeah. So let's go on to rankings and ratings then. Where on your one to five star scale are you going to put Madonna truth or dare? I, okay, I'm going to give it a four. I'm surprised a little bit that you're not going five considering your history with it. I was like, this is an automatic five, but just like when I was re-watching it. You're putting and your like, film critic hat on now. Yeah, well, yeah, just re-watching it and then like certain things just like the whole, the whole part with her hairdresser, makeup artist, I was like, whoa, like that really threw me off. And then how people re like how everyone reacted to I mean it's um that's not the movie's fault but kind of like why would you show that and then not even like follow up like don't even show it yeah I mean in the movie 
If I was that woman, I would be the one filing the lawsuit. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. It's it's weird. I mean, it shows... The movie shows a lot of things that they don't follow up on. And and so that's why on my 0 to 4 star scale, I'm going to say it's a 3 out of 4. It's it's a solid production. (laughs) I mean, I love this documentary, but I mean... But Paris is burning is better. Yeah, it's not. I don't know if it's just that there wasn't enough material in in the the tour, or if it's just like the construction of how it was put together. But in also, I would say like the narration, like I said, it has like a lot of melodrama in there that doesn't necessarily always fit the right tone. So there's a lot of um, contradictory elements to some of the stuff that's put in there, but. It's still like really entertaining and, and, and overall well done. It just doesn't have that um, unknown factor to put it over the edge. So it's a three to four, three out of four for me. Every movie is worth watching once. Would you watch this again? Yeah, I would watch this. I would start watching it every day again if I, <laughs> if I wanted to. <laughs> I probably won't go that far with you, <laughs> but I watch it again every once in a while. Um, I, I don't think it's worth it to watch it like okay it's so like Purple Rain is not a great movie but it's, yeah. it's a lot of fun because it's a really good like concert movie like it's good to watch the performances in Purple Rain this I would watch more frequently if then Purple Rain if there were more performances well that's why you just go and watch the entire Blonde Ambition tour from HBO because it's just the whole concert yeah I, I, you want both. You want backstage and front stage. Yeah, I'd want I want the mix. There, I, there's not enough. I will of the like my stuff my favorite to watch it a lot. My favorite performance of the Blonde Ambition tour they didn't even show is when they do the like a prayer song. Mm, yeah, um, they actually did like a little bit of that. Yeah, but the entire like a prayer Blonde Ambition tour performance was like my favorite and then i also really like the ending with the keep people together the family affair because i thought the whole choreography with the chairs was like it blew my mind when i was like 10 Mm -hmm. watching it because i was like how do you like it's so meticulous because it's like what if because there's like a point where she's like fake sitting down but then someone swoops in and puts a chair under her or something Mm -hmm. I'm like, what if she fell? I don't know. I'm just always thinking of stuff like that. But yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I'd, I'll watch it again, just not very often. I wouldn't. Anyway, if you out there want to watch Madonna Truth or Dare as of the spring of March 2023, it's available on Pluto TV, digital rental, VHS or DVD. And as always, check your local listings. You can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, your, rate review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, YouTube. Just search 1991movierewind or go to 1991movierewind.com for the full list of movies, long show notes, and more. Next week, we're closing out Razzie Month with the, the biggest one of all, Nothing But Trouble. It's available on HBO, digital rental, VHS, or DVD. We'll see you then.